Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and uh, this evening, it's going to be reading uh, verses 24 uh, through verse 30. So, uh, John chapter 10, verse 24, listen now to the reading of God's holy word. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I, gave, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Seek the Lord's blessing on this, His word. O gracious God in heaven, we do rejoice and give thanks for, again, the opportunity that we have to come to your word. And we just pray that as we consider this particular topic in this passage, before us this evening, that you would give us understanding and insight into the truth of your word, and that your word would truly bless our hearts as it goes forth in the power of the Spirit, that we might be equipped and challenged and encouraged and built up in our faith, and that we might be drawn closer to you. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, here in John chapter 10, Jesus has, uh, previous before this passage that we read, has declared himself to be the good shepherd. And of course, echoing uh, the words of Psalm 23, and so Jesus making that connection uh, with the Old Testament here. But he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one who cares for the sheep. He uh, loves them, leads them, guides them, provides for them. Even demonstrating that love, so great is, the, she- is the, lo- the love that the shepherd has for the sheep is that he's willing to lay down his life for those sheep. And he knows his sheep. And his sheep know him and they follow him. Well, then Jesus contrasts the good shepherd with the hireling. And he says in uh, chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, he says, But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Well, the, uh, the point that Jesus is making with this contrast is uh, that the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders who were charged with the duty to care for the sheep, to be the shepherds of God, God's people, but instead of caring for them, 
they, like the hirelings, sought their own safety and comfort, even exposing the sheep to great danger for their own gain. The religious leaders, as Jesus is saying this, they may or may not have understood that he was speaking of them, but regardless of whether they understood or not, they just hardened their hearts. And they even said that he had a demon. Well, Jesus returns to the same shepherd and sheepfold theme a little bit later in the temple courts. And that's where we come to our passage this evening. He condemns these unbelieving religious leaders by saying that they're not of the sheepfold. And that this is evidenced by the fact that if they were truly his sheep, and thus the sheep of the Heavenly Father, that they would have heard his voice when he called them, and they would have followed him. In verse 27 and 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So the sheep who have been called, who have heard the voice of the Good Shepherd, and have responded in faith and followed him, these ones, Jesus says, are sealed and secured, not only in the shepherd's hands, but also in the hands of the Heavenly Father. Because as Jesus then goes on to boldly declare in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Now, of course, to the unbelieving Jews, this bold declaration that Jesus made was uh, blasphemous. And so, again, hardening their hearts even more, they picked up stones to stone him. And uh, because of the crowds, Jesus was able to escape their hands at this time. Well, this teaching regarding the Good Shepherd calling the sheep and the incident of the unbelieving Jews may lead to the question, why didn't they believe? Why didn't they also respond to the call of the gospel when it was made? And again, we know uh, that Jesus, and even before Jesus, John the Baptist had repeatedly declared the gospel and called all the people to repent and believe. And so these religious leaders were called, but they didn't come. Now these questions highlight the importance of the doctrine of what we call effectual calling. Because as Jesus will declare or has declared in Matthew 22, he's saying, For many are called, but few are chosen. And so the call goes out, but it's made effectual unto salvation only to those who have been chosen beforehand by God's eternal decree. And so when considering this doctrine of effectual calling, it's helpful, though, uh, to realize that there are two different calls that the Scriptures speak of, which are extended through the Gospel. There's a general uh, outward call, and then there's the inward effectual call. The general or outward call is that call which is made through the plain, faithful preaching of the Gospel. And this call goes out to all who hear the Gospel. That is, all who hear it with their actual physical ears. They hear the words of the Gospel proclaimed. And it goes out indiscriminately, both to the elect and to the non-elect. It goes out to everyone who hears. 
It is the call again that Jesus and John before him made when they preached and proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That was a general call for the people to repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand. And at this point, the kingdom of God was at hand because the king, Jesus, the son of God, had now come. And all who heard this proclamation were being called to obedience to that charge. Repent and believe. All who heard the proclamation were responsible to respond. And again, this call went out to all the people, including the scribes and the Pharisees. But as we know, they did not respond in faith. And we see this, for example, in the parable of the wedding banquet that uh, Jesus gives in Matthew 22. Uh, there, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent on his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. So the king, uh, his son is going to get married and he sends out the servants to those guests who had been invited to tell them that the time for the wedding had now come and that they should come and gather for the great celebration. They were called by the king through the servants to come, but... They refused to come. Well, the king, uh, Jesus continues, that the king again sends the servants to call the guests, and they again refuse to go. Because they busy themselves with their own business. And he also says that some abused the servants of the king and even killed them. Well, the king, upon hearing this, sent his armies to destroy those who were first invited and then called, but did not come. But he still found himself with no guests at his son's wedding feast. And so uh, Jesus continues in the parable in uh, Matthew 22, verse 8. The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Well, and these responded. These uh, The servants went out to gather people in the highways, and they responded, and they came to the wedding. But there was one who came with without the proper wedding garments, and he was cast out. And Jesus concludes then the parable by saying, as we mentioned earlier, for many are called, but few are chosen. So those who were invited and called, and yet he refused or responsible for the judgment that came upon them. Well, these were the privileged Jews entrusted with the scriptures, entrusted with uh, the covenant promises and the word of God. But when the call of the new covenant came through the Lord Jesus, they refused to come. And then those called later, those from the the highways and the byways, in large part represent the Gentiles, those who, who heard and responded to the call. And the one who came unprepared was either a Jew or Gentile, it doesn't really matter, But see, that was the one who just thought that they were good enough to come to the wedding, resting in their own works. And so that one also was responsible for the judgment that came upon him. He heard the call, and though he gave an appearance to obey because he arrived, but he didn't obey it in the way that God had required. He wasn't prepared. Well, the point again of the parable is again that many of these were indeed called but only a few were chosen. And those chosen were the ones who ended up responding in faith. 
Now this parable also demonstrates the importance of what we call the free offer of the gospel. That is that the gospel, the call to to repent and believe, ought to be declared to everyone. In fact, the RP Testimony, uh, chapter 10, paragraph 3, says this, We reject the teaching that the gospel offer of salvation is freely and truly offered only to the elect. We reject the teaching that particular redemption is to be so understood and presented that Christ as ransom and propitiation is not preached or offered to all men indiscriminately. And so when the gospel, the call of the gospel goes forth, it is freely and sincerely offered. And this freedom and sincerity is seen in the fact that individuals are then responsible to respond. Now this doesn't conflict with particular redemption in any way as there are some who teach that uh, the gospel is only offered to those who are of the elect. But this would be impossible. Since we don't know whom God has elected, how can we only go to those who are of the elect and preach the gospel to them? We don't know that. And therefore, the gospel ought to be freely offered to everyone because we don't know what God knows, what God alone knows. And this is what we mean again by the general, the outward call of the gospel. It's freely offered to everyone uh, indiscriminately. But there are limits to this general call. As the words of Jesus we mentioned, many are called but few are chosen. Many hear the call, but because of the hardness of their hearts, they don't respond. They willfully refuse and reject it. They hear... Again, they hear the actual words being spoken, but the words never make it to their hearts, where a change is affected. Now this could be, for a variety of reasons, could be because they, uh, they're like the seed sown on the path uh, in the parable of the sower. Remember in that parable, uh, that as soon as the seed is sown, <clears throat> the birds came and, and snatched it away and, and just ate it up, representing Satan coming and snatching away the seed. And you know, we perhaps saw a little glimpse of that yesterday with people, some, a few people not wanting to hear anything at all that we said, um, just shutting the door. And so that's one reason why people may not respond, or because of their hardness of hearts and the stubbornness, as we mentioned, right? The scribes and the Pharisees were ones who knew the scriptures, and yet they didn't see and understand them with their hearts. Like many liberal Bible scholars today who many spend their lives studying the Word of God, studying the Bible, and yet they're never actually changed by it and by the truth that it reveals. And so Jesus calls repeatedly after His teaching, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And the ears that He's talking about are ears of faith. The ones who have the enlightened ears are the ones who would then respond in faith. What should also be noted that this general outward call is not a declaration to any sinner that his name is in the book of life. It's founded upon God's command to offer Christ and all his benefits to sinners. And so Jesus commands in Mark 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so our duty as followers of Christ is to sow the seeds and water them that God himself 
will bring about the increase. And so as we also read in Acts 13, that as many as have been appointed to eternal life would believe. And so that's our duty as the church. The Great Commission is to go and to declare the gospel to everyone. And we don't worry about who believes or who doesn't believe. That's God's work. But we are to go forth and to declare the gospel. To call people to repent and believe. That's the outward general call. Well, this then leads to the effectual or the inward call of God upon the sinner. The Westminster Confession of Faith, paragraph, uh, chapter 10, paragraph 1, says this, All those whom God has predestined unto life, and those only, He is pleased in His appointed and accepted time effectually to call by His Word and Spirit out of the state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away the heart of stone and giving unto them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills and by His almighty power determining them to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet so as they come most freely, being made willingly by His grace. And so the call of God is effectual, and that it actually brings about or affects the intended result. And so the gospel calls us to repent and believe. And for those who have been predestined by God, that they will at their appointed time in history, in real time, in our time, they will hear that gospel and they will obey the word. And again, this is a sovereign act of God. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, what's often is referred to as the, the golden chain of salvation, saying that for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And so the, we see the connection here between God's eternal decree of, of predestination. And then in time, he will call them. And as he calls those he is, whom he is predestined, well then he will justify them by faith. And then he will later glorify them whom he has chosen from the beginning. And again, it's important to note that the call is affected by the work of the Holy Spirit and is ordinarily accompanied by the pro- proclamation of the Word. And so the Word and Spirit come through the preaching of the Word. <clears throat> Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now, if you think about it, what I do here often, preaching, it's actually a terrible form of communication. And yet its weakness is actually what further exalts the work of God in bringing sinners to himself. And this is what Paul Paul's words in Romans 10, uh, why they have such urgency in Romans 10, he says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> And so, right, that's how we we come to faith. We call on the name of the Lord, believe on Him, and we're saved. Well, then he continues, Paul continues, Well, how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
So we see the role of the preaching of God's Word in bringing sinners to Himself and saving sinners. Calling them to Himself. Calling them to faith. And he continues, Paul continues in verse 15, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So the Word of God is the power of salvation. It enlightens the eyes and converts the soul. And as the Word goes forth through the proclamation and preaching of the God's Word, that effectual call and the Spirit go forth. Again, it's the Spirit must be present, though, with the preaching in order for the Word to be effectual. Otherwise, the preaching is just the words and the wisdom of men and will have no effect or, or power. Again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Right? So the, the Spirit needs to accompany the Word in order for the Word to be, and the call to be effectual. Well, this is why, again, the preaching of the Word is, is really central to our worship. Right? This is why preaching is often referred to as, as uh, one of the means of grace. That it's one of the ways that God feeds us and encourages us in our faith and to walk in with Him. But it's also one of the, the key way in which He draws us initially to himself and calls us to salvation calls us to repent and believe and so we do well then to take heed and to pay attention to the preaching of God's word so God's call God's call comes through the preaching of the word by the power of the holy spirit and the end result for the one who has been predestined and chosen by God's grace before the foundation of the world is salvation. The call is effectual for the elect of God alone. According to God's perfect timing, those whom He predestined will be called and they will believe. Again, John 10, And the sheep hear His voice, and He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. And when He brings out His own sheep, He goes before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. But you see, they can't believe until this call of word and spirit come. Thus effectually calling, effectual calling is closely connected to the process of regeneration and the work of God's irresistible grace <clears throat> leading to the new birth or the new life. So one must have this new life in order to believe. One must receive the work of the Spirit in their hearts to be quickened from death to life before they can confess and profess the name of Christ. Remember the account of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Right? Lazarus was dead for four days, and when Jesus finally arrived, he said to remove the stone, and Jesus gave a command. Lazarus, Come forth. Now we have to think about that for a moment. Because Lazarus, before he could respond to the call that Jesus made, Lazarus first needed to be made alive by the power of the Spirit so that he could actually hear the command and the call of Jesus to come forth. And so the gospel call is made effectual in the hearts of those who have been brought to life by the Spirit. 
And again, this often happens somewhat simultaneously, right? It's not like it, it, this, you know, the, the quickening happens and then, you know, much later the, the call comes. No, it, it happens often uh, simultaneously, but there is an order, there's a logic to it. <clears throat> that we're made alive, regenerated, and the call is heard to repent and believe. And because of the regenerated heart, we can respond then in faith, in true faith. And so in this, the call of Christ upon the elect is effectual, or again, efficient for their salvation. They hear the word, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're enabled to respond in faith, and responding in faith, they repent of their sins and believe on Christ for salvation. And for this reason, God's people are referred to as those who are called. Right? And the church, uh, the word church, literally uh, the assembly of God's people, are, is literally the called out ones. God has called them. He has called us from darkness into His glorious light. He has called us from sin to life. And He now calls us to be His instruments. To make out the same gospel call to others. So that even as we do so, and trusting that those appointed unto salvation by God's eternal decree might hear the effectual call, and that they too would respond in faith, and that this would all be to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, gracious God in heaven, we do praise you and thank you for this truth of your holy word, that you have chosen and predestined those whom would be yours. But then in time, you call, and that gospel call goes out indiscriminately to everyone, but only to those whom you have chosen, who have the ears to hear, the ears of faith, the ears quickened by the Spirit working in them, will hear and respond. And this is very humbling for us, Lord, because we acknowledge that we were hardened in sin, And that there was no way that we could respond to your call. And yet by your grace, you had chosen us. And in time you called us. And we responded. And we believed. And now we are yours and we are held fast in your hand. Knowing that no one can pluck us out. Showing us that truly that salvation is all your work. We have nothing to do with it, no part in it. It is all the work of your grace, through your Spirit, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, this is what makes the gospel such good news. And we pray, Lord, that as we seek to proclaim that gospel truth here, from this pulpit, through this church, through our ministry and outreach, that there would be many. We know that all will hear the call all that we speak to. But we pray that many of those would also be chosen. That they would hear that the call through the power of the Spirit would be effectual to bring them to a saving knowledge of You. We pray, Lord, that You would equip us in these ways that we might truly be glorifying to You as we seek to be faithful witnesses to this world. And Father, we again praise you and thank you for this day. 
that you have given. And even now as we begin to look at the week that lies ahead, and we pray for those opportunities that we might have, maybe in our workplaces, maybe just in our comings and going, and out in the store, or wherever it may be, or with our neighbors, with family members, that you would give us those opportunities to pro- proclaim your truth. And that the effectual call would go forth. And we just ask, Lord, that you would be pleased to use us as instruments in this way. Again, all for your praise and your glory and your honor. Pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.